The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And what is all of a sudden turned out to be basically our last regular season show all of a sudden. Uh, I know, I know. Um, Wednesday, May the 30th is when we're recording this. I'm Jeff Sharon. I'm joined by the usual suspects, Brian Murphy and Eric Lopez. Um, didn't expect our season to come to an end so quickly, boys. I don't think I know UCF baseball didn't expect it to end like this, and yeah. for it to end uh, with them being the first four out, kind of twist the knife a little deeper, um, and to know they were they were so close yet so far. I know. Well, we'll talk about that. Lopez is joining us from Oklahoma City, by the way. That's right, folks. Uh, Women's College World Series covered it. Depending on when you listen to this, will probably be games going on. I'll be toasted. It's ninety plus degrees. Uh, here at Oklahoma City. I was uh, going to say you'll be toasted. They're having a toast for you. How lovely. <laughs> I thought, you I thought, this, Look at, I thought you, you've arrived, like, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 not, not quite. It's pretty uh, hot. Uh, the good news is there's only like about a 15% chance of a tornado uh, overnight. So we're good. Oh, uh, well, that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting one when you see the weather yeah you know, weather there's a pos- slight possibility where oh okay that's good to know thanks great yeah, that's good. Good. that'll thanks. make me sleep better thanks, um, thanks for everybody. if i hear a <laughs> siren y'all know what what do i do <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously it, so. it's an interesting town but i'm uh, looking forward to covering obviously the, the week-long uh, women's college world series so. Right. so anyway we got a lot to talk about mostly having to do with baseball um and we'll just put a basically put a bow on the baseball season in uh disappoint which ended in disappointment really for uh for UCF uh without with the Knights not getting to the uh American or, or excuse me not getting to the NCAA tournament. Um remember that you can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com all throughout the off season. Uh you can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. You can follow Brian at Spokes underscore Murphy where you get all the stuff that uh that he does for not just us, but also the Orlando Sentinel here, here on that. Um, in addition, uh, you can follow us collectively on Twitter at black and gold at UCF underscore banneret and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash black and gold banneret and uh, subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends, leave us a comment, Google play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in boys. Let's dive right in. Um, UCF, one of the, well, depending on who you ask, one of the four teams, first four teams left out of the NCAA um, baseball tournament when the field got released on Monday. It was there was a stretch in point. There was a there's a stretch in time there, um, Brian Murphy, that it looked like some of the dominoes were falling in UCF's place on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they it just kind of didn't all of a sudden. So. From where you were seated and where you were, you know, you were watching all these games, and Elo, I know you were following them too, as as was I. Um, what didn't break UCF's way that they needed to break their way? You know, what's funny is we, we we paid so much attention to making sure that teams that 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 were that were expected to win their conference tournaments end up winning them, and making sure that no bids were stolen, and 
and all that. And we paid a lot of attention to it. And yet in the end, the reason why UCF was, was held out of the tournament, according to the uh, selection committee chair, Ray Tanner, who had a, who had a media teleconference call right after Monday's selection show. And I asked him, I said, what were the factors of UCF being left out of the field? And, you know, after he talked about how they, they discussed UCF a lot and, and, and compared them a lot, the one thing he said, and this has been consistent to what the committee sort of judged teams upon, was conference standing, saying that because they finished fifth in the conference, uh, that that was a that was a black mark against them. And if you look at the way that this committee sort of put this field together, it was obvious that conference standing and conference performance in conference performance was really important to them. It's why Kentucky got left out uh, in the SEC. Like they had a, a really good season with a really high RPI, but they did not do well in the SEC. Um, and I think as much as we pay attention to those, those final few days, Really, UCF's uh, coffin was nailed shut before, right when they left. Right when they left Clearwater, really. In in yeah. retrospect, uh, they had no chance. Once they left Clearwater, they had no chance. It, it was it was interesting because you know I, you know, like I said, I mean, I I thought that it, there was a point. I think Saturday that I was like, man, this might happen. I mean, you, you know, yeah, you, not the ideal situation, but. There, but there were relatively few bid stealers out there, and then for them to say, you know, uh, actually, no, you guys, your guys' coffin was pretty much nailed shut before you even showed up at Clearwater, um, was, you know, I thought a bit of a surprise because that what they're saying is that they didn't even really give a team like UCF a bubble, a genuine bubble team, a chance to even play in unless they had won at all. Eric, what did you think? Well, I, 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 first of all, um, for the NCAA, for TBS and TNT, that's how you do a selection show, by the way. Please go yeah. back to what it used to be and not that garbage that you did in March, because I, I missed that. I enjoy that rush as brackets are announced. And, and, and we were, I was breaking it down on Twitter. And when, North, like, for example, when the first uh, region, when Florida was announced and they put Jacksonville and FAU, I'm like, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. And then when Northeastern got in, I'm like, uh-oh. And then Washington got in. I got to give Murphy credit because me and Murph were going back and forth during the weekend. I, and I thought Murph, I enjoyed the weekend. I thought we did a great job of kind of monitoring the situation. But, you know, mm-hmm. Washington uh, it was fascinating because I know, like, I've talked to our friend Sam Unger who felt that Washington shouldn't be in. But Murph was the first to catch this, that he, you thought, Murph, Washington was in when they took two out of three from Stanford. And they, they would have won the Pac-12 had they won the last game of that series against Stanford. They didn't. But the league rewarded them because they were right at the top of the Pac-12. And when I saw Washington, I'm like, yeah, we're not getting in because – and I got to give the committee credit. I mean, they were consistent. Only one team uh, under 500 in conference play made the NCAA tournament this year. In fact, that's the only team that's made it in the last two years under 500. That was Texas A&M. And I think A&M got in in part because that helped them uh, put them into Texas. But uh, they were consistent on that. And this is the thing. You and I have argued about this, Jeff. You love the double elimination format. You wished every tournament and every sport would have double. And this is an example where I think the double elimination just burned UCF because it put them at 13 and 12. And Ray Tanner, and and this committee paid attention to conference tournaments. He even acknowledged that about Kentucky when they were 13 and 17. He's like, they didn't even have a chance to improve. They didn't improve on that in the tournament because they lost the opening game. So they clearly paid attention to that. And they just decided, no, that – 
And the other factor was they didn't win a lot of the USF series that UCF, they, they lost some series that kind of came back to bite them and put UCF in a hole. Uh, I was a little surprised, but you know, when I saw the explanation by Ray Tanner, I respect the decision. I, I understand where he's coming from. And I got a sense that Greg Lovelady kind of, you know, he, he's fine with it. I, I think, I think that the interesting thing here, Murph, and the n- numbers kind of look good for UCF, but I think, unfortunately, what we saw in Clearwater was the fin- the product on the field, and that, and I think that was a lasting, unfortunately, impression that uh, kept them out. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, certainly in those two games in Clearwater, this did not look like a team that, frankly, deserved to be in. Uh, you know, they they were not they were no match for Houston. In, in the second game, and Lovelady kind of admitted it, like, you know, in that game when they lost to Houston, there was their elimination game, said, you know, we didn't play that badly. They just they just played better than us. They beat us. And then, and then East Carolina was just, was just riddled with mistakes. There were errors, and a guy was thrown out at home, and they were three, three for 17 with runners on base. There were so one game was just mistake field. The other game, they just got beat. So they, well, the they game did that was mistake field, too, is against a team that won the whole thing anyway. Right, exactly, and and the team that that they got beat to in the second the game on um, game two was the team that won the regular season title, but you know it was not a it was not a, a good showing. Obviously, I mean there there are ways to lose two games back to back, and and that was not an impressive way to do it. Um, but really, like I said, and, and Eric is right, you know, w- with Washington, people are like look at their RPI, their RPI is way high. They have a bunch of bad losses. Like yeah, but this committee really put a premium on conference standing and. When you consider that Washington was one win away, was basically the last game of the year away from winning the Pac-12, that's what got them in. Like it, it really helped. So, to so UCF, like yeah, they had a really good schedule. They had a really good RPI, like a, sol- a solid RPI, a lot of good top fifty wins. But what hurt them is they just didn't perform well enough in the AAC, and and certainly that was set home during during the conference tournament. Well, let me play devil's advocate. Oh, go way, ahead, Eric. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, remember now, Washington beat Stanford, who's a national seed. In mm-hmm. that series, two out of three, and they also won a series against UCLA. Washington kind of peaked at the end from a conference standpoint um, that I think helped them. I think if you're UCF, I think the gripe you might have is, well, wait a minute, Oklahoma State like fell apart at the end of the year. I think they went yeah. over in the Big 12 tournament, I want to say, and I think they lost like nine of the last ten or something. But the league, they still put them in because I guess they finished second in the Big 12 in the regular season, and they were second in the conference. So uh, it's tricky. It's tricky, right? Because, like, I mean, the SEC got 10 teams in. So, like, an Auburn got in with a 500 record. UCF didn't. But, you know, I think the bottom line with UCF, it's going to be, you know, you go, you, I go back to the Cincinnati blown loss where they could have, should have swept Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I go back to a blown lead against East Carolina where they could have won that series. I mean, that could have, I mean, that's the thing. I got the sense, and, and I don't know if you got the sense, Murph, and, and that, that Ray Tanner, like, if had UCF, gotten to let's say instead of a finish basically 13 and 12 because he counted the two losses in the tournament let's say if UCF would have been uh I don't know what, what uh, something like to the extent of 15 and 10 or 15 and 9 in the league just switch right. a couple games that probably would have gotten him in well but let me let me give you this that was the big thing. but yeah. let me give you this all right so four teams did get into the the field Houston regular season champ obviously we knew that was going to happen ECU won the tournament, um, forty-three and sixteen. ECU is hosting, by the way, uh, but they finished yep. the conference season, the regular season, at fourteen and ten. <clears throat> the other two 
um, teams to get in from the American at large were USF and UConn. USF is playing at uh, Stetson, incidentally, in the, in Stetson, in the DeLand um, Regional. And uh, I, forgot, I, I forgot where you... Oh, UConn's at Coastal Carolina's Regional. All right. Interestingly enough, Washington is one of their opponents. Um, let me give you the overall and conference records for those two teams and UCF. All right. USF and UConn both finished 35, 20, and 1. In fact, they tied against, or, or, excuse me, they didn't tie against one another, but they both finished 35, 20, and 1. UCF finished 35 and 21. USF finished 14, 9, and 1 in the conference. That tie came against Wichita State, by the way. UConn finished 14 and 10 in conference. UCF finished 13 and 10 in conference. I mean, this is one game. Yeah, but you're not. No, so you're not finishing the story, though. You didn't listen to Ray Tanner had to say. They basically said you finished 13 and 12 because he's counting the conference tournament. The difference is UConn got to the final. USF made a run in the tournament. That's what I'm saying. If UCF would have made a run in the tournament, if they would have won a couple games, I think they would have gotten in. But because they went 0-2, they kind of looked at them as a 500 team in the conference. Fair or not. I mean, and this is the thing I will defend the committee on. If you're going to have a conference tournament, then you know what? Then the committee should pay attention to those games. Um, yeah, that's so, fair. So, so that's the problem there. USF, you and you call the games. They made a run. They won some games. They now, did. If you now, they lost you know, the first that, one to Wichita State, but then they won yeah. you know, three, basically three in a row after that. Correct. So. They got basically to the semis, um, and UConn got to the final. So I think that's kind of what helped, too. The other thing is I'm going to give Brandon Helwig credit for this because he posted this on Twitter. The out of, you know, I talked about the schedule strength for UCF was very good overall, which was 29. But USF had a stronger schedule, a non-conference schedule. Like UCF's non-conference schedule was not great. And, and, and Murph, you could break it down because, unfortunately, you were there for a lot of those weekends. You're talking the Chicago States of the world and the mm-hmm. CNNs. And uh, unfortunately yeah. for them, Rice and Virginia, which on paper looked fantastic at the preseason, both teams had mediocre, disappointing seasons, so that didn't help their schedule strength. I think that hurt UCF's RPI and hurt them as well because USF's RPI was super high in the 20s, low 20s. I want to say maybe even close to the teens, but I think it was in the low 20s, whereas UCF was 44 because they didn't have that marquee weekend series that they could point to. Their big wins were in the midweek, but that Oklahoma series mm-hmm. hurt them in a way because they needed to win. And I think in, ref- in retrospect, they, they needed to win that series. And I got to give Murph credit for this. He brought it up when it happened. That Jacksonville rainout hurt them because they could have used that game now in, in, in retrospect. Yes, yeah, just kind of clearing up the points there. So South Florida ended up with an RPI of 18 uh, yeah. with, with, a, uh, with a strength schedule both uh, overall and non-conference in the top 10. Yeah. UCF, finish, UCF finishes at 44 uh, with a strength of schedule overall of 36, which isn't bad. But non-conference schedule at 79. And, you know, two things. One, you have Jacksonville, which would have been a top 20, top 25 RPI win if they had played it and won that game. They have a RPI of 21. And two, who would have thought that the only team to make it out in the NCAA tournament from that opening weekend at UCF baseball, where we had Virginia and Rice, the only team to make it to the NCAA tournament out of those four teams were was Samford out of the Samford Bulldogs in Alabama. Unbelievable. Wow. Who would have thought that? Mm-hmm. The, um, 
question for you guys about the tournament field before we take a quick break, and we'll just talk about what happens with UCF baseball this offseason uh, before we wrap up the show. We're going to take a break. But first, um, of the four teams in the American that are in the NCAA field, which team would you be least surprised to see in Omaha? I would go with UConn. I think, uh, look, mm-hmm. they've been tested all year. It's really hard to do what they've done because obviously they don't have, like they're one of the teams that don't really have like any home field advantage. They play on the road all year anyway, basically. And uh, the the Kate pitcher Tim is Kate, a, yeah. a, 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 a total ace. Um, Going to be, you know, a, he's a top MLB draft prospect. And look, arms go a long way. So, you know, for me, it's probably between either USF or Connecticut, or Connecticut because of the two top arms they have at the top with McClanahan at USF and Kate at Connecticut. And I'll go with Connecticut just because they've been battle-tested all year long. Right. Eric? I like ECU. Now, help me out here real quick because I don't have the bracket in front of me. Who is ECU paired with in the Supers? ECU uh, uh, has their hosting. They have South Carolina, Ohio State, and UNC Wilmington. That's a tough region. And then if they were to win that region, who they would get in the Super? They would get uh, the winner of the Arkansas, Southern Miss, Dallas Baptist, mm. and Oral Roberts Regional. Yeah, I got to have to agree with Murph. Uh, I like ECU a little better as a team. But that is a rough, rough regional and Super Regional. To go through South Carolina potentially in your own regional, that's going to be hard. And if you get past that, by the way, we all know, remember, the head coach at South Carolina is in his first year, Mark Kingston, the former USF baseball coach. That's right. And then, to, and then possibly Arkansas in the Supers. That's tough. Whereas Connecticut, granted, they're on the road, but they're used to being on the road. Uh, they got to go against Coastal Carolina, which is tough. And then if they win that regional, uh, who wins that? They would play who? The winner of that regional would play? I'm trying uh, to look this up, too. Okay. The winner of the ECU regional? No, the winner of the, Conne- uh, the, oh, the Coastal winner, Carolina. Coastal, Coastal Carolina Regional would play. Uh, hang on, I'm going to get it for you here in a second. Oh yeah, yeah here it is. So they would fun. play. They would play the winner of the Stanford Regional, which is Stanford, Baylor, Cal State Fullerton, yeah. and Wright State. And here, right, and, here, and well, this is the thing. And this is the irony of this. Stanford could get upset in that regional. Now, what if? Imagine this. Yeah. Was the big one of the storylines was that Connecticut didn't host. Some of the you know people were kind of like, well, they should have hosted and all that. What if Connecticut were to win their regional and Stanford were to get upset? What would they do then? That would right. <laughs> that would be wild. Well, you would all have of a sudden would you'd you have know, them likely facing something. like a Baylor or a, or a Fullerton there, you know. So right, but technically Connecticut might be the higher seed, so they would they would have I would think the right to host it if stores, they can. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, or at least move it to Norwich. It's just funny. So I, I'm actually with Murph. I think Connecticut. I would rank one as the most because I like their draw. Um, you know, I think I like USF second. I think they can win that Deland regional. We'll I was going to say handle. USF would be they would yeah. get my you know, they would get my vote. What looking at the bracket specifically because they're in that Deland regional with Stetson, Oklahoma State, and Hartford. I could, I mean, I, I did two USF games um, at the tournament. The top four guys in that order are just absolutely lights out and. Um, you know, I could see them getting out of Deland, and then they would play the winner of the Chapel Hill Regional, which is North Carolina, obviously, Purdue, Houston, North Carolina A and T. Um, boy, wouldn't that be something to see Houston and USF hook up in a uh, in a super <laughs> regional? Boy, wouldn't that be something? 
I'll tell you this: if you're a college baseball fan, that I mean, that USF, there's a if they, if USF plays Stetson in the winner's bracket game, my goodness, you could have two first round pitchers go head to head with the USF ace and the Stetson ace, Gilbert for Stetson and uh, the kid for USF. I mean, they are Shane two McCla- top Shane McClanahan, Shane McClanahan yeah. They're, they're both in the top 10 in strikeouts. They're both in the top 10 and giving up the fewest hits allowed. I mean, that is going to be uh, unbelievable if they were to play. So I, I think they're right. I think that's, I think the American will do very well. And I think they, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they pair up. I will say this for, as far as the UCF, I, I think if you're UCF, I think your argument is probably your best with Oklahoma state, the Troy, and Dallas Baptist, and this is what a thing I do like about the baseball committee that softball just isn't smart enough to figure out, and that is they, they have certain things they go by and they're consistent. And Kendall Rogers pointed this out. The last decade, a team that's won 40 games and had an RPI around 40 has made the field every time in the last decade, and that applied to Troy and Dallas Baptist. That's why those two got in. Uh, so I, I actually I didn't have a problem with the committee. I thought they were, you know, I, I, I like that they didn't reward a Kentucky. Like, I would have had a bigger problem if UCF got left out in favor of an Arizona or an Illinois. But I, while I'm not the biggest Washington fan, I, I understand why they picked them. And I understand why they made the other selections. I mean, Northeastern, I don't have a problem with them giving uh, Northeastern an opportunity. I laughed how Kentucky fans were all crying and whining about it. Like, here's an idea. Don't finish near the bottom of your league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll make the old. They'll, they'll always make the competition argument, but I don't care about that. And we're not going to get into that right here. But anyway, <clears throat> let's take a quick break. Excuse me. Oh man, it's rough. Um, let's take a quick break. I'm when really we return, up. this year is over. You're really choked up. About I know. It. It's, it's 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 a it's an emotional time. I can't handle it. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll talk more about UCF baseball and where they go from here, and some MLB draft stuff coming up. This is the Black and Gold Bannerhead Podcast. Back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. Net. You can also reach them on Facebook at facebook.com slash we sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. 
You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF Sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, Eric Lopez with you talking uh, college baseball here. Blackandgoldbanneret.com, Facebook.com slash Blackandgoldbanneret, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. All right, so we talked about the NCAA field um, in college baseball and UCF being left out of it, what we thought of the American going into it. Now let's, talk, let's focus back in on where UCF baseball goes from here. Um, Draft prospects, the like. Um, you know, last year there was such tremendous turnover. Uh, how, how many seniors last year was it, Brian? Was it 12 seniors? A lot. I, I forget the exact number, but then count. you had also – Yeah, yeah, I forgot. It's not, as much, it's not as many this year, but the turnover this year still looks pretty yeah. pretty uh, substantial yeah. as well. So, so Greg Lovelady well, – well, first of all, you, you guys – you spoke to Lovelady, um, and we hinted at this in the previous segment, but we'll go a little bit more in depth on it. Um, uh, Love Lady was pretty disappointed with, or at least sounded like he was pretty disappointed with the entire sort of focus of the team, I think, throughout the entire year, Brian. And what was your impression? I mean, he spoke to the media for about 20 minutes, um, and it's still something sticking in his craw about this. Yeah, obviously, he's he's upset and he's frustrated. And if you've talked to Greg Love Lady any number of times, you realize that coach speak is not really his forte. <laughs> He doesn't really <laughs> yeah. dabble in in like the Belichickian Thank you know, God lexicon. For that. Yeah, we're, we're on it, to UConn. It, it nope, <laughs> it is. It's refreshing. And then at some points where you know if he's just feeling really sour, then you see a, a different, a little different level where you're kind of caught off guard by the honesty, even though there's nothing wrong with it. Because why shouldn't he be saying these things? These are honest viewpoints that we'll get to here in a second. Yeah. But it does get you off guard because we don't expect to see it. Or expect to hear as much out of, out of a coach. Right. So, yeah. And so there's a couple of things I wanted to start with here. From the players we talked to, it was basically your standard, like, disheartening, disappointing. J.J. Montgomery brought up heartbreaking. Um, also, J.J. Montgomery brought up specifically the losses that, that Eric mentioned, specifically the loss to ECU where they had a, where they had a nine-run eighth inning and the loss to Cincinnati on Sunday. Those two things he still remembers. So it's it's interesting that Eric brought that up because so JJ Montgomery yesterday, yeah. and then we talked to Love Lady. I mean, just um, hey, you feel one, you feel bummed for like Logan and and Hep and McCoy and uh, and Max. You know, just that they don't get to finish you know their careers off of the way that we we felt like it. Um, you know, secondly, you just um, you. Know, you you feel bad for all the people that, you know, the, the Luke Hamlins and the Eli Putnams of the world that did such a great job of, you know, last year putting ourselves on the map and, you know, laying the foundation and just embarrassed that uh, we kind of let those guys down and, uh, you know, just let the fans down. Uh, just frustrating. Uh, you got to do a lot of looking in the mirror, though. Um, you know, it starts with me. Like, uh, you know, I just didn't do a good enough job this year. Uh, you know, we severely, severely, severely underachieved. 
you know, at the end of the day, that's that's on me. Uh, and uh, just didn't do enough job to reach the guys to get them to figure out how important games were and, and you know what what <clears throat> what we needed to do to match the uh, the expectations and the uh, the talent that we had. Um, and uh, you know, just just frustrating to to leave a team talented like that on the field that just. You know, we just didn't do enough to get into the NCAA tournament. And at the end of the day, that's on us. I mean, we we didn't do enough. And you can say whatever you want to say about what our metrics were and all that. But at the end of the day, like we just we, we didn't do enough to, to make it where the you know the committee had no other choice but to put us in the in, in the tournament. Uh, and like I said, it was just a frustrating year. I think from day one, uh, and we just never turned the corner like I'd hoped. Uh, we just we just had. Very limited leadership, um, uh, vocally, just the way they go about their business. Um, uh, you know, and again, they, we had a lot of new players, and that 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 plays into it a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, last year our best players were just really, really good leaders, uh, and we just didn't have enough leadership. Uh, just had too much drama, I felt like, um, in the clubhouse, and just drama of. Ec ec external things like the draft and, and things like that that became the focal point uh, too much instead of just the team and you know the year before we don't have the talent we don't have that you know Luke Hamlin could have played pro ball and, and turned down jobs like had no desire to play professional baseball it was he wanted to for UCF to be really really good he wanted to leave his legacy here he, he cared about winning um, so when the other things become the forefront of, of you know, people's agendas or, or mindsets, you know, you lose sight of what is supposed to be the number one thing, uh, which is us winning games and the other stuff being a result, you know, a, um, you know, it becomes a, uh, uh, you know, our success leads to your personal and your success in the draft and become, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and that just, I don't think that was the, the, the way things went this year. I mean, probably. I mean, you look back on it, it's obviously the most frustrating year just because, you know, again, I thought this was the most talented team I've ever had um, as a manager. So, you know, to not live up to the, our own personal expectations, my personal expectation, and obviously the, um, you know, me personally, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a lot of fault for this. Uh, like, my own pro I'm, I'm going to put a lot of this on my own, and uh, that's going to that's gonna bother me. Because at the end of the day, like that's my job is to is to get the most out of this team, and, and I didn't do that. So, um, you know, uh, I've got to learn from this and, and look in the mirror and figure out how better ways to to motivate and to to get guys to believe and uh, you know change some things, whether it's recruiting wise or, or just culturally and doing different things. I understand that you know as the dynamic changes here, be it the draft and. Um, the junior college stuff and not having, you know, guys here for three or four years all the time. Uh, I've got to come up with different ways to, to coach to, to get the same results that, that, I, that, that I want. There is a ton to break down here. There is we, a lot we're there. Not, there's a lot there. And it's a, it's a coach who's obviously frustrated, but it also gives you a peek behind the curtain of like, man, there was a lot of strife inside that clubhouse that we just were not aware of. Well, was it was it strife or was it the fact that it because it, it sounds to me like he was he expected guys to be focused off of last year and 
they just didn't. They were just complacent last year, or this year compared to last year, and maybe believed some of their own, you know, to use a cliche, which I just hate, but to believe a lot of their own um, press clippings, if you will, and um, and didn't focus enough on what they need on on like you said the task at hand. So. Um, yeah. it, it's not so much that there may have been drama between guys. It was just like, hey, guys, we need to focus on this. Oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And then you go out and you and, – and I think that reared its ugly head in the fact that, you know, yeah, this team was undefeated in, you know, in on Fridays after conference play began. And I say that mm-hmm. including the Oklahoma series. But I think they were below 500 in all the other games. Yeah, and, way uh, below. Yeah, and, and and that's just lack of focus. And 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 you know, you guys made fun of me all throughout the year because I kept saying, you know, <clears throat> is it time to hit the panic button? Is it time to hit the panic button? And the reason why I kept <laughs> saying that was because this team just didn't have the step on the other team's throat on Sunday that last year's team did. And but let me let me let me let me stop you there. Though. Let me stop okay because it's e- isn't it easy to say that. When you don't make the field. sure, like, I just did. With, like, <laughs> but but here's my thing, right? If they don't blow the lead against Cincinnati, because I remember I listened to Mark on the radio as they imploded in that game. Uh, that, and that was the bullpen. Uh, mm-hmm. East Carolina game, the bullpen blew it. You look, I go back to the Connecticut game where nobody could field the ball because they're playing in thirty, below, you know, you know, in, in, in winter heaven hockey weather. If if they make the tournament, are we? You know, it's easy to say, well, you know, they didn't have this, and it, it, it's easy when you don't win, right? Winning is always the best deodorant, right? Like, I've seen teams that have won games that don't get along, but they win, so nobody cares. Everybody gets along. But as soon as things don't go well, that's when it, it pops up. And I think, here's the thing. Last year, nobody had any expectations for the team. They were picked near the bottom of the league, and I think there were players there that, yeah, they had good leadership that they wanted to prove a point. They wanted to prove a point that they could play. They got they got a new start with a new coach. And I think this year, I think some of the le- some of the guys maybe aren't meant to be leaders that maybe you're hoping to be leaders. Some guys maybe had, you know, hey, we won a league last year, we made the tournament. Hey, we, you know, it's not it's just it's different. It's intangibles. I'm a big intangibles guy and you can't just look at the paper and talent as much as we do. And we're going to have we're going to run into this in football. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of UCF fans are getting upset because a lot of the poll, you know, uh, polls are voting him low. And, oh, what are you talking about? We have all this talent. And I agree. They have a lot of talent coming back. But the biggest question I have with the football team, and I think it implies, you can't just replace certain players from last year and expect that, oh, it's going to be fine. Could you replace a Shaquem Griffin, for example, talent-wise? Sure you can. But can you replace those intangibles? I don't know that. I don't know if you can. And I don't know if the guy that does – can do that. And I think it's the same thing in baseball. Is Luke Hamblin like the greatest baseball player of all time? No, you could probably replace a Luke Hamblin, but can you replace the intangibles that he brought to the dugout and brought to the team? No. And some of those players are hard to, to replace in a year. I, I've seen it in other different sports. So I, I think it, it, we blow it up when it doesn't go well and it, and it blows up, but that's, that's part of a team. You're never going to have a team that's perfect. Uh, I'm sure that not everybody got along last year. But they won games, so nobody cared. And and again, you know, 
Lovelady said that given the team's talent this year, because he admitted this team was more talented than last year's team, which won the regular season title. And he's right. Like this team definitely had more talent. Certainly in the pitching staff, they had more talent. And he said for this team to have this much talent and to not make it, it was the most frustrating season of his managerial uh, life. It was, he said this is the most frustrating year that he's ever had as a manager. Yeah, I mean, I, it's all, all the thing, all the things that broke their way right. this year or, or last year didn't break their way this year, and exactly. we can debate whether or not what whether or not that was self inflicted or not, but right, you know, the fact remains they're on the outside looking in. And but here's the thing. We, we, but here's the thing. We weren't having. Were, was anybody bringing this up when they beat Florida on back to back nights? Oh, oh no! But then again, they would look like they were shooing for the that. tournament at that point. Yeah. Right. It's just funny how certain things work. And I'm not saying that Greg's not wrong. I mean, obviously, he knows the team well, and I think Greg's frustrating. I think he felt it, and I give him credit for his honesty about it. Uh, but unfortunately, when things don't break well. That's where you kind of get hurt by that. And I think that's where he was disappointed. You know, Jeff, you and I talked about this last year. Remember, this team went through a losing streak last year. Remember, they got swept by USF. Yeah. And and, and people are saying, here we go. They're going to fall off a cliff. But they found a way in that East Carolina series. They were down big. I remember you and I were listening to it on the car coming back from a softball game. And they were trailing big. And we're like, oh, God, they're going to lose here again and this or that. And they found a way to come back and win that game. They ended up sweeping East Carolina. The problem is. That never happened this year. There was never that moment where, hey, they overcame that adversity. Here we go. And I think that's what he was disappointed about as much. In fact, I saw that where he, he, was, he was optimistic. He was thinking they could over, you know, turn the corner, but that corner just never came. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. that April 13th game last year against East Carolina that, you know, again, they were on the road and they finished off a sweep and that ignited a sweep and that ignited the win streak yep. and then, you know that was, and then they were they were off and running. But um, and that yeah, and that was the thing that never happened. Like that's why, and I know I've been uh, harping on this, but I I go back to that Cincinnati game. If they would have just completed that game and swept them, who knows? Maybe that's the turnaround. Maybe that's the turning point. They go on a run, but they always kind of stumble. To your point, they always drop the game. And I and I remember Murph, we've talked about it. We even went in person or on the podcast. Every series, it seems like there was always that one game where either the team would make three or four errors or they just blew it in the bullpen. They just had hiccups. And you're like, and, and we say, well, you know, that's part of baseball. It happens. But, but unfortunately, it kept being a repetitive act, uh, you know, result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because after, after that, that the, the days of Florida, when they won, the, when they won the, those two games there, there, there really wasn't a whole lot to, to crow about. Because, okay, yeah, they swept Chicago State, but they lost to Miami, who was not good this year. They, yeah. they got, at some points, embarrassed against FSU, and then they break into conference play, and conference play was just not a smooth ride at any point. I mean, even in Memphis, it was pulling teeth at, at points. Yeah. Well, here's where we go. I mean, I know that Greg Lovelady, if he were here, would probably not be all that, be all that happy about um, me asking about this. Is you know when, when you look ahead with baseball and how complicated it is heading into next year, you're, you're always looking about, or you're always looking at, you know, what are you going to have back and who's leaving? So, um, so that's my question to you, Brian. Is uh, the MLB draft is coming up uh, June the fourth, which is next week? Um, Brandon Helwig did mention that he expected four UCF players to go in the first 
five to ten rounds most likely gone. Uh, all of them pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Bryce Tucker, J.J. Montgomery, Creefen Frock, and Thad Ward. A couple players, three players who could be gone ba- depending on where they hear their names called. Ryland Thomas, obviously Brody Wofford, your outfielder, and another pitcher, Jordan Spicer. Um, I guess the question to you is, you know, where do you go from here? I mean, that's a lot of arms that, you know, if, if that holds up, that's a lot of arms that you're going to have to find a way to replace. Um, where does Greg Lovelady go from here? It's a lot. And even the list grows longer when you consider that, you know, they didn't have a lot of, they didn't have a bulk of impactful seniors, but one of the guys who was leaving as a senior is Eric Heppel who was like a rubber arm out of that bullpen middle relief. And and you can't rely on Joe Sheridan to pitch at all next year. He's going to undergo labor surgery Mm -hmm. and you have to expect he'll probably miss the entire season. And with that being the case, yeah, they're going to miss Tucker, Montgomery, uh, Ward, Finfrock, Heppel and Sheridan. Like that kind of leaves it pretty bare. Now they've got, obviously Chris Williams will, will should be back. Uh, Garrett Westberg was a, was a, a quick revelation for the bullpen. But they're going to need a lot of guys to take on some big roles next year. There are a lot of holes to fill in that pitching staff. I mean, they lost guys last year, yes. But there was still a semblance of, like, they're building upon what was already a good bullpen with more arms. Now it feels like they they have to replace – they have to almost replace it. Um, and then on the offensive side, you know, Rylan Thomas is draft eligible. I, now, Lovelady even said he doesn't know – we asked him about, you know, who he expects back. And with Rylan – Lovelady said it wouldn't shock me if he goes in round three and it wouldn't shock me if he goes undrafted. So that's again, it's an, another amazing statement from, from the head coach, <laughs> but, but Ryan, if he does go, I mean, he's your leading hitter. And although he slumped at the end of the year, like this was not a dangerous offensive team for most of the season and losing him would be tough. And, you know, uh, it's, it, it's a lot, especially pitching wise. It's a lot to replace. And I don't, you can't really say what they have to rebuild. Like I, I've listed a few names of, the, of guys that are already there, but like who's coming in? Well, we don't know because we won't really know until we see how the draft pans out. Um, well, and, that's, so, isn't that, and isn't that why he's frustrated by this season? Isn't that a part of this? Because he kind of knows in the back of his mind he was going to lose a good chunk of these players. And not, listen, college baseball always has a constant turnover because of the draft and so forth. But isn't that part of the reason why he's frustrated? Because he not only liked the talent in this roster, but he also knew that, look, this is our opportunity here to cash in with these veterans because next year we kind of have a young team that we're going to, not to say start over, but uh, you know, you're going to have to put in some young arms there on fire early. And I think, yeah. boy, it, to miss the tournament, that kind of is what stinks. Because sometimes coaches know that. Coaches know when they have to replace their roster with personnel. And it's a lot easier to do it when you made the postseason the year before and ease it in instead of, oh, we just missed the tournament. Uh, I think that's added to the frustration, don't you think? Absolutely. And, you know, I asked him about, like, how does he replace all these pitchers? And he mentioned guys like Jalen Whitehead and and Gary Westberg. But it's like uh, he didn't say explicitly that that this it bothers him or that he's frustrated by losing all this talent. But it's got to. I mean, you look at that staff and you're like, you're losing basically – six of your seven most effective pitchers from one year. Um, and, and so it's tough. And then offensively, like, you know, Tyler Osick had a good season. He should come back probably. Dallas Beaver and Ray Alejo were probably the two best players offensively down the stretch. They should both come back as well. I can't say for certain because you never know. 
but um, it's it's not there's not there's not as much optimism I think that I had about this team at this point last year heading into 2018 season. I thought there was I thought there was more in the cupboard, so to speak, than what we see the attrition that we could see going into next year's team. We'll see what they bring in and, and the freshmen and JUCOs that they'll bring in and see what comes of it. But just uh, from what we know now, what we expect to happen uh, next week with the draft, it's a lot of really, really talented players, especially on the pitching side, leaving this team. Yeah, it's when the cover is that bare. I mean, th- you know, then again, you know, we've seen situations, you know, with other, obviously in other sports, but baseball, it's a lot different um, because of how specialized everybody is. And um, yeah, Eric, I thought you brought up a good point where you where you had said, you know, <laughs> we have to look out for this sort of situation with football. And, you know, th- there might be a period in time where the, cupboard's bo- the cupboard is bare there. But, you know, at, at the meantime, I think that UCF fans would be wise to temper their expectations heading into 2019 with the season. And I'm not saying that, you know, I don't have faith in their recruiting, but that's just way too well, it's much. Just, you just, every way year too is much. different. It's every year is different. And just because you have great talent replacing talent doesn't mean it's going to fit as well. The ball may not bounce a certain way correctly. And, and so that, that's kind of the thing. I will say this. When Greg Lovelady took over this team, nobody thought they would win, uh, even come close to winning the regular season title in his first year. I remember we're True. like, man, you know, it's like, oh, he's got oh, some he's work to deal with he's got roster. some work to do here. <laughs> so let let's kind of, um, you know, baseball is weird like that, and you know this better than anybody, Murph. Baseball is weird like that. Just when you, oh, you lose all this personnel and and this or that, and then next thing you know, these guys that came out of nowhere step in, and you're like, wow, you know, this team's playing better. Maybe they have yeah. better leadership. Maybe they have better chemistry. Maybe they get picked low in the conference, and all of a sudden there's that hunger again that wasn't there perhaps. And now all of a sudden they're sneaking up on people. So, and I'm going to say this, I, I just admire, I love Greg Lovelady. Let me just call it out. I mean, I, I think he's a great coach. I love the fact he tells it like it is. And he's not a guy that's just, he's not just going to throw players under the bus without throwing himself under the bus. Like he threw everything. Let's say, it wasn't like he was critical of just the players. He was just as critical about himself. And yes. are you saying he uh, pulled others under the bus with him? I <laughs> I don't know what the correct uh, saying on that. I'll defer to you. But that's what <laughs> isn't that refreshing though? Like, isn't that refreshing that I, I if you're at UCFA, you gotta be excited. Here's a coach that's taking accountability, right? He's not making excuses. Like it could have been easy to say, hey, we got, you know, we got raw, we should have been in the tournament. This he's like, no, you know what? We put ourselves in this position. We shouldn't have done that. And I admire the guy, and I think uh, look, the guy's gonna be fine. He's gonna he's gonna win games, he'll figure it out. Sometimes the ball, but the guy he gets it. I've always, and I said that even when I, you know, I've talked to him. He gets it. And you know, this year didn't, but but I, I'm not going to count him out. I'm not going. I I have belief in him, and I think he'll do. He'll figure it out. I think he'll figure it out. And I think he generally will figure it out. I think he's going to think some things over, and I think there's some things he'll tweak. Um, let's not. We're acting, by the way, like this team went like 22 and 38, and like just kind of abomination. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. Um, this team did win 35 games, and I know that you know that that's the amazing thing. I mean, they 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 just came short of missing the tournament. We're treating like this was just uh, an abomination. Um, I, I think they'll be okay. I understand the concern, the unknown. Right, we're always concerned about the unknown. We don't know, but that's the beauty of college baseball. There's always going to be the unknown, and every year because of the constant turnover. So I'm not 
I'm not the gloom and gloom guy. Sorry, Murph. You guys, you want to jump on that like, oh, it's looking bleak next year. I, I'm not going to drink that Kool-Aid just yet. Well, no, I've, I've already said, like, you never know because, again, we don't know. We, I, we Like, certainly we know the pitchers who are leaving. Like, the right. four guys the four guys brand listed are certainly going to go. And there are some hitters who might go. But we, for the most part, we don't know. And then we don't know what their what their new crop looks like or who who's coming in through the juco ra- uh, ranks we don't we don't know we we really don't we're just saying like we're, i'm only looking at it as uh, through the lens of what they're losing and what they're losing is a ton uh sure. it's it, it's a ton on, on any level and i will say this like and i'm not i'm not just parroting what love lady said even though he said severely 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 underachieved because the fact is when this team makes it to an NCAA tournament and then comes back, brings uh, brings uh, you know a, a lot of those pitchers back. I mean, it gets Bryce Tucker back and Hevel back and Sheridan and Chris Williams, and they bring back Friend Frock and he he exceeds expectations. They bring in the JUCO transfers. They bring back Rylan Thomas, who was the AAC preseason player of the year. And for that team, which is is admittedly more talented than the team that made the tournament last year, to not make the tournament this year. Uh, it is doom and gloom, and that it's very disappointing that that team but, couldn't but, make the tournament. But, but, but Murph, here let's let's get into why this was though, because we, I remember last year it wasn't like the offense was anything great last year. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, was the offense really drastically any different than last year? Like I, when I went into this season, I'm like, I don't know about some of these bats. Like maybe they'll be a little better, but it wasn't exciting. I thought the starters for the most part were good. I think the disappointment, maybe. Bullpen, maybe the back end. I know Bryce Tucker wasn't as good as he was last year. I mean, you you tell me. I think there were certain aspects that I think people thought would be a lot stronger. I think that's disappointing. But I don't know if, you know, it wasn't like this team was like a top 25 offense last year and they dropped to 100. I, it's We've seen the struggles with the offense here for a couple of years. So I wasn't shocked by that. I think the defense obviously took steps backwards. And you called it from the beginning of the year. And... I think some of the pitching in particular in the bullpen took steps backwards. And I think that's where, why they kind of underachieve and were a disappointment. I, I thought, okay, so I will, I will, I will agree on the defense, which was just really hard to watch at so many points where, you know, it was hard to watch last year and love lady talked in the preseason about how they're more athletic. They're more versatile defensively. And then they go out there and it's like, what is this? But but the pitching side in the bullpen was actually like their strength. Like certainly Thad Ward and JJ Montgomery were Andrew Miller ish at points out of the mm-hmm. pen this year. Bryce Bryce Tucker, although he wasn't quite as good as last year, like still had a, a dang good year. And again, with with uh, Eric Heppel being a rubber arm and Garrick Westberg was really good. Like their pitching staff was fine. It was one of the top 20 pitching staffs in the entire nation. It was really, really good. They were top 20 in uh, strikeouts per nine and ERA. I think just like, look, you want to know like why this team failed uh, and it's down the stretch. They go eight and nine in their final 17 games. And a lot of that is like, you can't depend. You couldn't depend on more than like three or four runs out of this offense. And when Rylan, Th- Rylan Thomas was batting, you know, 410 and then ends up at 340, there are, you know, there, you know, I, I don't know specifically what happened. He went, maybe just a baseball slump, but when Rylan stops hitting, you know, there yeah. were only a couple, of, there were only a couple other guys you could maybe depend on. And that was it. And I thought the pitching was great, but they, they, the offense was just, was just brutal. And their, their margin for error was really, really slim because of it. 
Well, and defense and the pitching staff, too. The defense. If the defense is cost, you know, not making plays, a couple plays here and there. And you and I watched the Oklahoma game on a Saturday where they made a couple of errors. And, you, and I could just tell they're not making plays they're supposed to. You're giving the opponent yeah. extra at-bats. That takes its toll, too. So, in fairness, you're right. In fairness, maybe I'm a little hard on the pitching. Some of that is if the defense kind of, you know, turn, you know, kind of betrays you, there's only so much you could do as a pitching staff. Yeah. yeah, and I was, I'll, I'll just leave it at this. I think Love Lady said it right. Like, yeah, they underachieved. They severely, severely, severely <laughs> underachieved. <laughs> well, the last word is with Greg Love Lady, but the last word is, uh, um, well, actually, the last word on this entire athletic season is going to rest with us because we will have the bannies coming up uh, in oh, the next boy. couple of weeks here. Don't, listen, How about don't the get... fact you got to call UCF's last game of the year, Jeff? How That's that? true. That's true. And I'm thankful to um, the folks at the American for allowing me to do that. And, uh, um, yeah, so uh, it was their last game, and it was pretty much a microcosm of, you know, what happened. I just thought, it, you know, they, they, they just never had enough, never had quite enough yeah. to push themselves over the top. Uh, which is disappointing because at the start of the year, I think they did have enough. And I think everyone thought they had, they had enough, but they didn't have as much as they thought they did, which was not enough. Anyway, um, <laughs> let me. Uh, they, didn't, they, wait, wait, they, they didn't have as much as they thought they had, which was, which not, was enough. not enough. <laughs> so so now, there's, now I will how's that this. for analysis? <laughs> yeah. When, by the way, when we do the bannies, we're going to have to be really creative this year because. Otherwise, it's just going to be a lot of football awards. So we're going to have to <laughs> listen. We'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll have a little powwow. We'll we'll set think we'll sit things down and um and we'll figure that out. But we'll we'll do this across two weeks. We're going to have our nominees show where we're going to um, release our nominations. We're going to have um we'll do um uh, we'll allow the fans to vote um just like last year, and uh, and we'll have four nominees per category. <clears throat> and uh, and then from there we will um, we'll allow the fans to vote for the week, and then we will have our final Banny show after that. And then after that we will have uh, summer sessions throughout the summer where we will have interviews with uh, UCF newsmakers, with alumni, former coaches, hopefully some current coaches. And then, believe it or not, right around the corner, all of a sudden we're getting ready for volleyball, we're getting ready for soccer, we're getting ready for football. So... Um, it's going to happen sooner than you think. It's, you know, we're recording this, you know, now it's past midnight on May 31st, you know, stuff cranks up again in like two months. So, uh, and actually in some cases, like with volleyball, like they're starting, they're going to be starting stuff like almost at the end of July. So, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's going to be a quick roll. So, um, like I said, we're not saying goodbye just yet. So, but, um, we did want to give you a heads up on our schedule coming up. Um, Brian, what do you have on tap, uh, this week for yourself? I, uh, will be at an NCAA regional. I will be in the land. You'll be in the land. Yeah, that's right. Covering the, uh, the land regional, uh, covering Stetson and I am stringing for the Oklahoman. So this is, this is some great, uh, we've gone, this is, this is, this this is some fun, uh, this is some fun synergy. So, Eric, uh, I think on uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, you know, maybe go pick up a paper and, and okay. uh, I'll be I'll be there. I'll be I'll be out there. So I'm, okay. I'm, uh, I, I mean, I, are we still allowed to buy papers? Does that still exist? I don't. Even <laughs> I, I, 
I still do. You can, so, you can yeah, pick up. So, you can pick up a copy of the Oklahoma right there from your uh, right there in your hotel there, Ooh, Eric Lopez. Right, no, I'm, gonna, a, I, I'm gonna work on that for you, Murph. I, I promise. I will try. I to mean, work I on mean, that. I wouldn't mention. I wouldn't mention it other than the fact that like it's it's so amazing how this works out. Eric's in Oklahoma City. I get this thing where I'm going to be covering Oklahoma State baseball for the weekend along with Stetson and USF. So um, yeah, it'd be fun. And you're and you're wearing a hat or hat. Do I, ha- you know, I, I am wearing a Stetson. Always wearing a Stetson fedora. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's a good reason. I, I'm envious. That's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I'll look. That's awesome. I did well, not uh, realize that. That's pretty. Yeah, good. that is. Mm-hmm. No, that's good stuff. And uh, and uh, as you alluded to, Eric, you're in Oklahoma City for the week. Yeah, I'm here for the whole week. Uh, Women's College World Series uh, underway. Depending when you're listening to this Thursday, it's going to be a full week. 18 field, uh, two teams from the state. The Florida Gators and the Florida State Seminoles are involved. And Oklahoma looking for a three-peat. First team in 30 years. No team has won three straight national titles in women's softball in 30 years since UCLA did it. You got four teams from the Pac-12. So you got a lot of storylines here. The Pac-12 trying to regain the national title for the first time in 2011. So I will literally be on the field at the USA Softball Stadium the entire week because there's games like every day. And mm. uh, I'll be covering it for Fast Pitch News and uh, In the Circle podcast. We're doing special podcasts from Oklahoma City with special guests. So if you're on Twitter and Eric Lopez Hilo, yeah, expect to see a lot of softball tweets in the next week from Oklahoma City and uh, – you know, just try to tolerate that as well. I and mean, look at the bright side. If I were you, it's going to be a lot more interesting than the NBA and, final. And the pot and the podcast, because I mean, basically, you're going to be doing a podcast like every night, right? When the action can, when the action uh, concludes, uh, we're going to do well. We're going to do some podcasts every other night, but we're also going to do some live Twitter uh, episodes from the field uh, nice. and react into the reaction stuff. So you're going to see some video stuff. Myself and former Minnesota pitcher Sarah Moulton. Uh, hoping to get some other guests and that we're working on. So it's going to be crazy. It's kind of wild. It's my first time covering it. Uh, it's cool that a lot of people actually know me, which is kind of weird. Like, hey, welcome. Hey, man, good to see you. Like, oh, you know who the heck I am. That's good. So. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> well, I just want to give fun. you a heads up that I, I think I just saw our first tornado warning in the state of Oklahoma for the evening um, in uh, White, in Waynoka, Tacoma, and Hopeton, Oklahoma, which is northwest of where you are, Eric. So um, enjoy that uh, in in Oklahoma City. <laughs> but nice knowing Eric, you guys. About to make it back, Eric. <laughs> if you see it, if you see a tornado, just know I'm gonna be so envious. That's like a childhood dream of mine. I'm gonna chase him at one point in my life. So if you see it, just know I hate you. <laughs> oh, I hate. I will hate myself too if I see one. <laughs> I, 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 Trust me, I won't be real thrilled with myself either. Oh, Listen, God. you get done with that regional, just fly up here, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I got room. This is a big a hotel airport. room. <laughs> this is room. Yes. Yeah. Why not? So, all right, guys. Well, hey, thanks again uh, for breaking things down with me uh, this evening on uh, on on the uh, late call. And uh, Eric's uh, enjoy Oklahoma City, and uh, we'll be watching. We'll be watching you and listening to you on uh, in the Circle SB on Twitter. And uh, Murph, enjoy the uh, Deland Regional. We'll be following you there as well. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jeffrey. All right, fellas. And thanks to you for uh, listening to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo, Brian at Spokes underscore Murphy, me at Jeff underscore Sharon, and us at UCF underscore Banneret. Don't forget facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret as well. Thanks also to the Unger Real Estate Group 
for uh, their support of the show as they have uh, throughout most of this year, uh, starting in November. So thanks again to Sam and his crew for everything uh, that they've done for us. And thanks to you, the fans, for listening. Make sure you leave us a comment, uh, <clears throat> leave us a rating as well, uh, and tell us how we're doing. Don't be afraid to ask as well. So for Eric and Brian, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. 